Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. the other side of midnight i'm frank morano i have said repeatedly one of the great joys of being on the radio is that you get to talk with people with whom you really admire people that you have studied people that you've looked up to but the really unique thing about working at wabc in new york and working on this network is not only do you get to speak to people that you really admire you actually get to work with people with whom you really admire and uh, that is certainly Certainly the case with Rudy Giuliani. Not only is he probably the greatest mayor in the history of the city of New York, not only is he still, in spite of what CNN might say, America's mayor. He's a former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, but now he's one of the most successful nationally syndicated radio talk show hosts in the country, and uh, it's really been a treat to get to know him a little bit over the last few years. Mayor, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time. I know you've already had a long day. Always a pleasure. I'm glad get a chance to talk to you, too. Uh, Mayor, by the way, you know, so many politicians have struggled to make that transition from politics to radio. One of the few people that did it successfully was probably Ed Koch, but all sorts of other people have tried. Your friend Mario Cuomo, obviously, not successful. So many other people have tried to make the transition and not been able to do it successfully. What is it about you and your personality that you've been able to make that transition? How are you finding the transition? Well, first of all, I enjoy it immensely, and I did it before I was mayor. So not as a, not professionally, but uh, occasionally I substituted, believe it or not, for Bob Grant. You, you know, I remember uh, that, when actually. I was, when, I went out, when I was U.S. attorney, Bob took a great interest in all of my cases, particularly the mafia cases. Bob was very was an Italian with a, with a very strong feeling that the mafia had hurt the reputation of Italians. So the minute my cases started, he started putting me on the radio we became good friends and then all of a sudden a couple of times he asked me if i would substitute for him so i didn't know what i was doing but they showed me and then i substituted for hannity who was also a close friend and a student of my best friend actually and then i when i was mayor i had my own show it was only once a week and it was for one hour but i thought it would be useful to have people call the mayor and be directly able to complain to him. And boy, did they. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember some of the, the ferret calls alone are legendary. Oh, oh, my goodness. I mean, I would always start off. I think I stopped after a while. But, you know, having uh, having sort of uh, been trained by Roger Ailes, and my co-student at the time was uh, Rush Limbaugh. So Roger was training me to be a candidate and him to be a radio, national radio host. And uh, we would sometimes be in the studio together. I, uh, I mean, we'll watch that 
watch that process. It was fabulous. And then uh, sometimes Roger would take a break when he was getting ready, you know, getting me ready for a debate, and he'd call up Rush and talk talk about the monologue and how to do it. And uh, one of the things about Rush that I think people don't realize that made him the legend that he deserves to be is a great sense of humor. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, no. the, people, the, the, the left-wingers who just rejected him thought he was some kind of a mad right-wing. In fact, he was extraordinarily intelligent, made very, very rational arguments. But then he was funny as hell. Oh, I mean, I think really that's what people miss about Rush. I, I think Rush could have, when he did shows about football or, uh, you know. Yeah, he was a comedian. He was a, a brilliant entertainer. And that's what I think a lot of the Rush imitators over the years have sort of missed, uh, is that uh, the, how important that element of entertainment is. Uh, Mayor, I want to pick your brain on a few issues that are in the news. Most important, Saturday, I know you're a, a diehard, longtime Giants fan. Giants, oh. Eagles, Eagles are heavily favored. Give me your objective analysis, not your rooting interest in how you see Saturday's game going, Mayor. For us to beat them will require an upset. Uh, So, you know, you can go back to the Eli uh, Giants who had to do this twice. uh, Well, one time, really. The first time they got to the Super Bowl and defeated the the, uh, flawless New England Patriots. They had to win three games on the road and then all three, they were underdogs, and they did it. Now, you know, you can say, fine, but this is not the same team. What they showed me last week, however, I'm hopeful. It's a young team. Nice thing about young teams is nobody told them they're supposed to lose. <laughs> I don't think they were afraid of anybody. They played the Eagles pretty damn well last time. The Eagles are a terrific football team, maybe the best, second best, third best in football. I don't know. I think we can beat them. I think they, I think their desire and their youth and their spirit, and then two great talents. I mean, the quarterback has turned out to be – he could be right now the best running uh, passing quarterback combination of both I've ever seen. He, he, ta- he takes more disciplined runs than even Fran Tarkington, and I love Fran. Uh, maybe, he, maybe he'll do one or two – panic runs again because he has to but he seems to know exactly when the play breaks down and he's got to take off and i mean he's 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 equal uh, to barkley as a runner one of the things that you said during your presidential campaign which was very controversial and it had nothing to do with radical islam or roe versus wade you said that if the red sox made the world series you'd root for the red sox because of your loyalty to the american league and you drew the comparison that because you're a giant fan and you root for the nfc teams that you're rooting for the nfc in the super bowl no matter what it seems like over the years a lot of those lines al nl nfc afc they've sort of not as um, not as firm. Not as firm. I uh, I would have like a a, a, a preference for the uh, NFC uh, uh, the uh, NFC team uh, back in the old days at the very beginning of the uh, situation when you know when the AFL and uh, NFC I was very much an NFC fan. Although I did root for the Jets because they were and of course they broke the very quickly broke the jinx. Uh, but no, I for, for but mostly I would root for the NFC team. But sometimes I like to play like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I always like the Steelers. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's not so a hard and fast rule. On the other hand, I always like Green Bay. So I would if 
Green Bay were there in the Super Bowl, I'd root for them not just because of the NFC, because I kind of like Green Bay. Maybe it's the old Lombardi connection. He was a great giant coach. Kind of like New England, too, because of Belichick. You know, Belichick won two championships with us and shows great respect for the Giants. We're the only – I mean, I got really annoyed. I'll tell you a time I rooted for the AFC. When New England played uh, the, the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Mm, mm. For, for two reasons. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> so this is a grudge match. And number two, I wanted the Giants to be the only team to have beaten New England in the Super Bowl. And uh, I can understand as a Giant fan where uh, where where you're coming from and where your heart is on that, uh, Mayor. Let, let me take advantage of your legal expertise as a former prosecutor and as an attorney for uh, decades. These Alec Baldwin charges have a lot of people uh, scratching their heads. Some people are celebrating. Some people are asking questions. He's been charged with involuntary manslaughter over this shooting that took place on a movie set that he was producing. Rust. Can you explain to folks what involuntary manslaughter is exactly and whether you think these charges were appropriate here? First of all, this is like law school. <laughs> involuntary manslaughter is a charge that you bring when you don't know what to charge. You don't know what to charge because what the heck does if, if it's involuntary? It shouldn't be a crime. Right. That That's what I think a lot of people are scratching their head about it. And those of us that are laymen. An involuntary action is is a uh, in order to commit a crime, a serious crime, you have to have what's called mens rea. You have to have a mental element. You have to know you're doing it, or at least you have to know what you're doing. But like if you um, now you, you could get into negligence, right? Like um, I think they really might might they might have been able to charge it better or call it gross negligent homicide. Like if he shot the gun, right, and he p- pointed at her. Uh, you could say he was negligent to rely on the fact that t- someone told him there was no bullet in the gun. If someone didn't tell him there was no bullet in the gun, and he just assumed it. You probably have gross negligence, and that's good enough for uh, for. Uh, I mean, that's what they mean by involuntary mm-hmm. uh, murder. It, 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 I mean, that's, but there is actually something voluntary about it. You deliberately pull the trigger. I think this guy talked himself into an indictment. Really. I mean, I, I'm not going to even blame it on his lawyer because he's a bit of a screwball, right? And his lawyer, I'm sure, must have advised him to keep his big fat mouth shut. I mean, by and large, whenever a defendant opens their mouth, they walk into jail. I don't know why they don't listen to, to their lawyers and keep their mouths shut. The more they're wise guys, the more they like to think they can talk everybody out of it. So think of his stupid statement. He didn't pull the trick. So that's got to get the cops and the prosecutors really upset. What, right. You think we're stupid? Right, sure. What, what, what happened? A little uh, a little angel came down and pulled the trigger? Of course you pulled the trigger, jackass. The gun was in your hand. So now when you say that, I'll tell you, you know, they'll argue that he's lying. And based on his lying, he had a uh, an evil motive. Otherwise, he'd tell the truth. So where do you think this prosecution goes? Do you think uh, a conviction is likely based? I mean, obviously, you don't know all the evidence at this point. But what do you think? Celebrity, uh, that'll affect the jury. They, you know, Either way. I mean, it's a a wild card. Uh, As a celebrity, I'm not even talking about his politics now. Uh, I'm talking about just being a celebrity. Some people adore celebrities, love celebrities. Some people hate them. Mm -hmm. And um, he killed an innocent girl. Uh, He he gave an explanation. My goodness, I'd love to cross-examine him if I were the prosecutor. I I mean, he's probably a big enough idiot to take the witness stand. Imagine telling a jury you didn't pull the – you're standing there. 
The gun goes off. It shoots and kills the girl. It's obviously pointed at her for the bullet. I mean, the bullet didn't uh, take some kind of circular motion, right? The bullet went in the direction it was pointed. The gun was in his hand. Nobody else pointed it. I mean, you, you didn't pull the trigger. Well, who did? I mean, what happened? I mean, did you get a twitch? <laughs> it's it's going to be very interesting to see where you that case total, goes. And, it, and then you say, why would a guy lie about this unless he deliberately intended to shoot her and he's trying to cover it up? I mean, they could... They could have. They they could really nail him pretty bad. And they, on the other hand, it's such a crazy case. A jury could just say, "Oh, gee, you know, right? I don't, right. We can't figure this one out." Yeah. No. I. It's going to be very interesting to see where that one goes. I. You know, it's funny. I was. Um. I was doing a little research in preparation for this to see what he said about you over the years, and I found an interview that you did on CNN about twelve years ago, maybe thirteen years ago, saying that you and Alec Baldwin share one thing in common, which is that you're both quite fond of the Kindle. I, my wife is so frustrated that our house has books upon books and upon books everywhere. She's trying to get me to transition to a Kindle. Um, help me out here, Mayor. Uh, how have you found you the Kindle? want to know why I like it so much? Yeah. Okay. I, just, I actually just got the new one that you can write on. Uh, and I find it even better than all the rest because it's big. It's, it, it's uh, the, the, almost the size of a book. Look, I, lo- I loved books. I never thought I would transition to a Kindle. I resisted it for three years. And then um, my friend taught me how to use it. And the re- reason I resisted it more than anything else was I like to underline. Mm. Um, he showed me how to underline with the Kindle. And then I found out it does something else when you underline it. It keeps the underlinings in a little file. So now when I read something, I go back to my Kindle. I have a nice outline of the book that I read. I also, if, I wanna, if I'm trying to remember something, it's some part of the book. I can go to my little outline. And find it. So even when I start reading a book now and I start underlining a regular book, I realize it's not going into my file and I quickly get it on my Kindle. So I think that's why I, I felt uh, the underlining got me to fall in love with it. And now that they've added, you can write in it. Now they have me forever. Yeah. Now I can write little notes in it. Because my books, I mean, if you give me an autographed copy of a book, I go out and buy another copy because I used to ruin the autographed copy. <laughs> You know, I think I'd it. if I didn't like something, I'd write down, how did he write this stupid stuff? <laughs> if I like something, I'd say, this is brilliant, um, or I'm going to quote this. or So uh, the Kindle allows you to do that and keep it. I agree with you. I would still, I mean, if I, I miss books. I occasionally will just read a book just for the heck of it. Same thing, same thing with newspapers. I mean, I read, I read, I read the uh, newspapers every day online. And I can get through, like, the Wall Street Journal uh, five times quicker online than if I have to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's but something about the, news, uh, the newspaper, to your point. I love, I, right now, I have in front of me Epic Times. Epic Times is on, an online uh, 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 publication, but they, they do a once-a-week uh, a paper, beautifully done paper edition. comes out on Wednesdays. Frank, I look forward to it. It's the same articles that are in the... <laughs> computer you know what i do i i underline them and i cut them out <laughs> I, I i can empathize mayor believe me uh talking with uh, mayor rudy giuliani hear him every afternoon on the radio and on sunday morning with dr maria ryan who's terrific and uh, she was more right than anybody on the uh, demar hamlin situation she nailed that from the get-go and uh, you know, we're gonna... watching the game well not watching the game i called her over 
I was I was half watching the game, half reading. Right. And I heard that the, I, I didn't see the play immediate. I saw the immediate replay. Uh, I heard I heard the reaction. So I took my eyes up. I looked at it. I had uh, Ted Ted with me, and we're both looking at it. And we see the guy collapse. And when I looked at him collapse, I said to Ted, "He's dead." I think he's dead. I mean, I've seen dead people, unfortunately. Sure. And I saw the way the body just collapsed and the way he hit the ground. I mean, it was. It was like he flopped onto the ground rather than fell. So I called her, Maria over. I mean, the doctor, come on over. Come over. Look at this. And she said he had sudden heart attack. That's obvious. It's obvious what it is. I said, what do you Sudden death. And I said, oh, God, he's dead. She said, well, they could, you know, if they, if they get to him right away, he's got a chance. But I don't know. They, they started to surround him immediately, the players. It was quite beautiful, right? And the medics got in there, but you couldn't see what they were doing. And she was really frustrated. Because she didn't know what if they were doing the right thing sure, or not. Turned out sure. so far. Yeah. No. Well, it, it's a great show. I love the, the fact that you guys could go from talking about politics to talking about football to talking about uh, criminal justice issues to uh, healthcare issues. It really covers a lot of ground, and that's on Sunday morning. People should definitely check it out. Uh, Mayor, I alluded to uh, CNN. Uh, I have seen a bunch of these promos for this documentary series they're doing it about you, and I haven't seen it yet. But it's clear based on how it's marketed that it's very much a hit piece. I'm curious, have you seen it? If you have, no. what's what's your take on it? First of all, I never look at anything much about me, including auditory things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, sometimes I do if I have to, and sometimes I do if I made a mistake and I, I have to correct it. Or, But I largely do it, and it's over, and what am I going to do about it? Uh, I'll look at it if I have to clarify. I would never look at CNN about me or anybody else. What do I want to be lied to? I mean, I know they're going to lie constantly. I know the people they talk to. Uh, but I know I know the people they talk to hate me, lie about me constantly. Uh, they, they, they go around telling people I'm a drunk. <laughs> I I I uh, drink uh, moderately, socially. Uh, I, 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 I one one article said I wake up in the morning and have scotch. I mean, I'd, I'd be I'd be a hell of a man if I did that. Yeah, wow. and, and to be able to be on the radio by three in the afternoon, you'd be my, been, my hero working, even more. Working all, all my life, uh, mostly, uh, you know, 14, 15 hour days. So I, I must be one hell of an alcoholic. Yeah. Hey, hey that's uh... an advertisement for being an alcoholic. <laughs> Got it. Live to seventy-eight years old. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's for sure. And whenever I've seen you, you seem to be as uh, in not only in great shape, but uh, very well, with it write, mentally. Write it, write it. I mean, they write all kinds of stuff. So I mean, it, it's unbelievable. They they have me taking money from people I never met. That's why the U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, they investigated me, and they gave me a letter saying they couldn't find any evidence of anything. Which is pretty they, rare, they, by the way. You know that as they a prosecutor. You realize they invested with for 20 years. They went through 20 years of my business. You know, they wanted to nail me for being Trump's lawyer. And you want to know why I know it's Trump's lawyer? Because they went and got my iCloud, and the starting date that they went to get it was the day I represented Donald Trump. And then they had it for three years. And they gave it up the day after I stopped representing Trump. Now, that's outrageous. Well, what's that's also... Just- 
outrageous, and a lot of Democratic attorneys and legal analysts have said the same thing, is the way that you've been treated as an attorney, uh, both here in New York and in D.C., uh, they suspended your license to practice law without so much as giving you a hearing. And uh, I know my friend Arthur Idala's firm is representing you on that. How is that going? What's the status of that, uh, that uh, the efforts to get your law license back? We had a hearing on that, and if 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 we had a hearing before any any group of fair-minded uh, people, the case would have been dismissed on the spot. But you, I don't know if you uh, know the, the 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 state of mind of most Eastern lawyers in the upper echelons of the legal profession, which is what bar associations are. I mean, they basically uh, lost their uh, legal education to their ideology. I don't even understand the Constitution anymore. I mean, I was having debates with them over what is circumstantial evidence. And th- uh, what I found was I was dealing with uh, mushhead ideologues that, uh, you know, that find uh, Amy Comey Barrett not qualified uh, because she's a conservative and believes that abortion is uh, illegal because she believes it's murder. Therefore, she's not qualified, even though she's got an IQ twice theirs and uh, has been an unbelievably prolific lawyer. So they're, 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 the ideology of the New York bar and the D.C. bar is left of left of left. And there can be no bigger devil than Donald Trump. Well, it, Just you know. why? Just why? I'll tell you why. Because they know he thinks they're a bunch of elite jackasses. And he's right. Yeah, he doesn't make a secret about that. Hey, uh, he's right. They're a bunch of elite jackasses who talk to each other and have the foggiest idea what's going on in real life. Uh, speaking, speaking, the foggiest idea how they're destroying this country right now, electing this numbskull, this, this demented man as president of the United States. Uh, I want to get we got you... a guy. We got a guy in the White House who constantly introduces President Harris. And, and the press just, you know, looks at it, what the heck. Uh, this, a couple of weeks ago, he told this story about how his father came to him at his vice presidential inauguration and say your uncle Frank or John or James or got the Purple Heart and he never took it. You think he could dig it out for him and we have a little ceremony? Joe said, sure. He went and got it. They had a little ceremony. Uncle Frank or James or, I don't know, uh, refused to take it. But then Joe prevailed on him and he took it. Beautiful little story. Except both of those guys, the father and the uncle, were dead for six <laughs> years before he became vice president. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That, here's the worst part. He repeated it a week later after he, to- he was told it was not true, which tells me he's gone from the, what he always has been, which is a pathological liar from probably the day he was born to uh, now demented and delusional. Yeah, his story because, about uh, about getting arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela keeps getting repeated as well, even yeah, though he's been called he, on that. Yeah, no, it, uh, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of former President Trump, though, uh, one thing that's gotten a lot of attention in the last 24 hours is this memoir by uh, Mike Pompeo in which he claims in the book that uh, President Trump told him to shut the hell up for a while about China. And um, yeah, you, w- sorry, totally inconsistent with public comments. I mean, that Trump Trump is the guy that got in trouble for saying it was Chinese virus, Wuhan virus. Uh, and he, he said it constantly. What did he want to be the one to irritate Z, but not Pompeo? I mean, his, pu- his public comments all throughout his presidency. I don't know when Mike says this conversation took place, but he sure didn't act publicly 
like he cared whether he insulted Z. Maybe, uh, maybe he was playing good guy, bad guy. How do I know? Either Mike is lying or, he, or Trump was playing good guy, bad guy, because no one has been more critical of Z than, than Trump. And particularly about being the source of the he's accused him of killing us. He's accused us of he's accused him of killing Europeans. He has consistently said it comes from Wuhan. He's been called xenophobic, racist over it. I don't know how, why Mike thinks he's even going to fly. Do you think this is a, a way for him to carve out a lane if he ends up running against Trump in a primary next year? Yeah, I, I worry about Mike Pompeo. I worry about him because in March of 2019, I gave him a full outline of the Ukraine bribe, along with witnesses that were being prevented from coming to the United States by his uh, uh, crooked State Department. And uh, and this has all been proven to be true now by the hard drive. I didn't have the hard drive then. And he he, uh, he, he played me along. He told me he was going to have it investigated, and he never did. He never did because he was afraid of challenging the State Department. He was afraid of taking on the the uh, the, 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 the ambassador uh, who stopped witnesses from coming here and had them afraid she was going to have them killed. I don't know. He, he, he told me. I'll tell you exactly what he told me. He told me he was going to take her on. She was the head of the Lesbian Association. And I sat there and said, I, I didn't think our administration operated that way. So I don't I don't I don't have much respect for Mike. Mike could have, Mike could have put a stop to this damn thing. A year before it happened, and he didn't. And I don't know. People got to take accountability for uh, for this. He uh, he elected to believe that I was some kind of liar, and the and the miserable left wing creeps around him who have done such damage to America were telling him the truth. The the other and they were jerking him, and they were jerking him. I can't say the second word. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why he did it. He didn't did it, he didn't do it because he was fooled. He's a smart man. He did, he did the same thing as at, at the CIA. Schumer really puts the best light on this. Schumer very, very openly said at the beginning, you know, Trump, you better not take on the intelligence services because they'll ruin you. Schumer was right. They will. And uh, and, and I was going to say Pence. Pence is the same problem. Uh, Pompeo never took on CIA. He's afraid of CIA. Did he change the CIA? Didn't do a damn thing to it. He kept it the same way it was with the same people. But he was afraid. He was afraid they'd ruin him because he wants to be president. Mayor, how do you handicap a presidential primary contest with Pence, who you just mentioned, Pompeo, and Ron DeSantis, who a lot of other people are being oh. high on, if Trump's in there as well? Sanders is the only one there as a leader. Pence, Pence uh, hard to get Pence alone without his wife. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean it. No, I've heard, I, I've heard the same thing. I, I, I never got to talk to him, which I guess is good about that whole the whole situation about his vote. But at one point, I was so frustrated. I said, well, let me talk to her. his wife. She makes the decisions. It's imp- I've never seen a guy where his wife doesn't let him move four inches without being with him. Something weird going on. So, and Pen- I mean, Pence, they almost dropped Pence from the ticket. Pompeo does a whole thing in his book about that, how Nikki Haley was going to get selected. There was a big movement in the party to drop him. And do you buy now, that? Now, Nikki Haley did dispute some of that. Do you buy what what Pence is, what uh, Pompeo's saying about... She tried to be vice president, no question about it. And there were actually, you go back and you can find contemporary articles written by several Republicans pushing her as a much better candidate than, um, than Pence. They thought Pence was a weakling. This is long before the dispute over 
the vote or mm-hmm. right, they thought sure. that Pence didn't do anything for the ticket. He had a very weak image. And, and given the fact that Trump was getting older, people would put more concentration on him. And they'd say, my God, we don't want to go from a strong president like Trump to a weakling like Pence. It's going to be and very Trump, interesting. Oh, it out in the book. I mean, do, do I think, oh, do I think Nikki Haley was trying to be vice president? Uh, uh, people were pushing her. I can't honestly tell you if I know she did. I'm I, 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 Maybe I assume that she did, but I don't know. I, I could talk with you all day, Mayor. I'm just about out of time, but I have to ask you about this. Yesterday in one of my local commentaries, I brought up the idea of another 2024 race of Andrew Giuliani potentially running as a Republican for U.S. Senate against Kirsten Gillibrand. What do you think of that? I know he takes your advice on political okay. matters. What do you and think? Not, not, not about my son in particular. We'd have to talk about his personal life and all that. But I think we find, well, at least we'd have a senator. Is she really a senator? Does she represent us? No. You know, she's like the invisible man. She might be like yeah. some of the former people that you used to put on the witness stand being the witness protection program. I'm not even know she knows. I don't even think she's figured out yet how to pass a bill. Schumer doesn't let her speak. She Sometimes she shows up for his Sunday press conferences, and I don't know what he does. I think he, he – uh, how do you do that when you take somebody out of a photograph? Yeah, airbrushing, right. Yeah, you know the joke about Schumer, right? The most dangerous place in Washington is – between Schumer and a microphone. Yeah, especially on a Sunday, right? Yeah, and you know, the Sunday the Sunday trick is hilarious. I, I was I don't know when I first noticed it. I I didn't really pay that much attention to politics when I was the US attorney. I probably first noticed it when I was running for mayor. I said, well, how come this guy is uh, he, generally you don't get much press on a Saturday or a Sunday? He said, Well they don't give him much press. This is when he was a congressman. He figures there's not much in the press on Sundays. And they put the stringers out in the second level people and maybe he can snow <laughs> yeah you, you got to give him credit for that hey uh he was smart I enough do, to not, uh get his wife appointed uh dot commissioner under uh, some mayor i can't remember who it was i appointed her DOT i'm just kidding yeah i know and she was one of my best uh she was one of my best appointments she's a great appointment uh She's a she's a fabulous public servant. Now even Mike Bloomberg uh, kept Al D'Amato wanted me to fire her, and I told him no, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's some, that wasn't the first uh, difference of opinion you and Senator D'Amato had, right? Yeah, I, that one uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to make her pay. I, mean, I was uh, on in that race. I, I preferred D'Amato to him, but that wouldn't affect my judgment about my commissioners. That's why I don't understand these people who you know they they suck up to politics. I mean, do your job, and you're going to be. You're going to be fine. Like Adams is so worried about what the Democratic Party will think and what the Democratic Party will do. And the Democratic Party had the answers to things. The country would be in a lot better shape than it's in. Mayor, on that note, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm going to have to have you back. I'd love to do a whole hour with you sometime soon. Yeah, and maybe get you on the mob podcast, too. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know they, they, the, that they brought out the about Rena, Salvatore Rena, who was the De Niro, who the guy who just got arrested, boss. When De Niro first went to work for him as a sort of an apprentice, De Niro, the guy who was just arrested as the alleged boss of the mafia, he really isn't, but he's, he's a boss. Uh, his father was a boss in a little Sicilian town called Trapani, and he wanted his son to go further in the mafia than him. So he brought him to Salvatore Arena, nicknamed Toto, who really was a mafia boss because he probably – arguably was the most vicious, most dangerous mafia member in uh, 300 years. One point he killed 3,000 people, and he made sure everybody knew it was 3,000, so they'd be afraid of him. He, got 3, 000, mm-hmm. he killed 3,000 mafia people to clean out his opposition. 
Well, he put out a contract on me. It's one of the first things he did when uh, Denaro came to to to, um, and he put out the contract because he was he was very worried that I was working with Giovanni Falcone, who was an Italian magistrate investigating the mafia. Uh, Mayor, I, I got to run, but we got to do a whole hour on this soon. It's a fascinating a story. story I've, I've been loving it. Funny, fascinated, not me. <laughs> Mayor, thank you very much for the time. It's always a treat to talk with you. Let's do cigars soon. Let's go Giants. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mayor Rudy Giuliani, catch him on the radio uh, six days a week. He's doing a great job. And on his own podcast, Rudy Giuliani's Common Sense. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.